Hello and welcome to another Win Daily Show. My name is Michael Raziel. I have Joel mid-draft. I have Sia as always. Joel, how you doing tonight? Are you excited? Are you going to take home this uh, Win Daily Sports League tonight? So there's nothing more exciting than draft night, right? I'm super pumped about the draft night. I apologize in advance to the podcast as I will be distracted as I draft mid-podcast, but I am super excited. Well, we are very excited, too. We are going to be talking about the 2020 Tour Championship. Of course, this is our PGA stream, but we thought, I mean, we have a, a member of the crew here tonight. They're going to be drafting, so C and I will have some commentary. We'll have some quirks. We'll make fun of some people, and I think we'll have a good time. Are you excited, Sia? So I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Sia, why aren't you in the win daily draft, right? No, so I think you're going to crush think, everybody. What? That's unfair. Why would you be in the draft? Okay, so don't don't steal the lead, Michael. Oh, sorry, Let me bad. just explain why I was Not going bad. to crush everybody because everybody knows I'm in three big leagues every year, mm. and that I'm going for the three peat in two of them and the repeat in one of them. I mm. won all three last year. Mm. No big deal. So guys like Joel who are relatively new to win daily. I don't want to take their money and their pride because that affects our subscribers michael that's true and that is that's selfish at the end of the yes. day so yeah. just as an act of i don't know kindness charity if you will mm-hmm. i'm going to let jason and joel and nick at sticks picks and all those guys fight for a pot and then hopefully yeah. donate to charity like we did last week michael yes like we did last week on our show with rg3 it was absolutely a blast he was incredible if you haven't seen it you can check it out on the wind daily sports youtube page obviously we put it up on the website as well so you can go back and listen to it in podcast form of course but he was wonderful i am so grateful that we got the opportunity to chat with him of course we donated a bunch of money to his charity it was absolutely fantastic and it was wonderful joel update me on the draft man what do you got so far so I just made my first pick. So I had the sixth overall pick. It's a PPR okay. week. Oh, can you hear me now? You're good. Yep. You're good. We're good. We're back. Okay. So I had the sixth overall pick. It's a PPR league. Uh, so I normally would go running back here, but because of the PPR, I thought I got an advantage. I took. I just took Michael Thomas. All right. All right. All right. We're going to Joel, can, can you tell us? And we'll be, we're, we're actually going to, this is going to be kind of fun, actually, because we're going to talk about PGA and then we're going to be tracking sort of your draft at the same time. And then we'll just kind of cut out of PGA and, and talk to your draft exclusively. But can you just answer this question? You said it's PPR. You said you have the six pick. Is it 12 teams? 12 teams, correct. Okay. And is it kind of a standard setup with like two receivers, two running backs, and a flex? Precisely. That is exactly okay. what it is. Yep. Gotcha. Yes. My last my last question is quarterbacks. Do they get six points for passing touchdowns or four? Or maybe you don't know. Four. Four. Yeah, okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Cool, cool, uh, cool. An important question to ask for all sure. of you, all of you listening, because that makes a yes. big difference as to where you draft your quarterback. Um, awesome. So you got Michael Thomas. Not bad. Michael Thomas. All right. So I'm really curious to see what's available to you on the way back. I think you might be able to get maybe that last good elite running back but i don't want to yeah. skew your draft you draft however you want to obviously i'm going to cross my fingers for you joel we are going to cross your fingers for you but yes we are going to also be obviously as i said talking about the 2020 tour championship it's at east lake it's down in atlanta it's uh beginning of september so i'm sure it's pretty darn hot down there sia you are my resident lawyer medical salesman uh, i guess weatherman today what's the weather like down? i know you're in florida but i feel like atlanta and florida they're like cousins at this point 
Yeah, basically the same thing. No, I, I don't think, you know, it's a good question. I haven't actually looked into the the weather uh, issues, but I don't think there really will be weather issues. If there is a weather edge, we'll know, like, keep in mind, this starts Friday. So we're actually three days removed. So even if I kind of had an idea of what the weather was going to be with respect to like a windy afternoon on Friday versus, a you know, a calm a Friday morning, uh, it, it would almost be meaningless at this point because we would really want to be dialed into the weather the day before, not necessarily the night before, but at least the day before. So Thursday, we'll be in Discord. And we'll be we'll probably actually be publishing some more articles, you know, Wednesday into Thursday. So because this is sort of on a one day delay. So check in with us on Discord because we'll have all the answers to those questions. We'll have all the answers as we always do. And yes, it's a very weird field. It's it's 30 people. Uh, it's a weird and wacky setup, but I'm very excited to get into it. So Sia, what, what are just some of the things, if you don't mind, give us a little bit of an understanding of how exactly this this last of the playoff tournaments work. And, and I know it's like it's already already tiered, right? The first person starting at 10 under or something. So talk to me a little bit about that so the people understand what we're getting with. Yeah, I mean, that's really the big thing. So because of points that were earned up until this point, you know, whoever's leading in the FedEx Cup points, which happens to be Dustin Johnson, as, as you might expect, he's starting 10 strokes above the guys that are in 30th place, 29th, 28th, 27th. And so everybody in the middle gets what we call starting strokes as well. So and it goes down based on points, right? So Dustin Johnson starts at minus 10, which is obviously a big advantage, not just for Dustin Johnson and for him winning outright, but also if you're obviously playing DraftKings or FanDuel, you know, he is going to start with those 30 finishing position points that you would get in DraftKings. So, and then John Rahm is second. He starts at minus eight. So he's starting with that, you know, the second um, finishing point. So right before you even start, like if you were to have a team with like, let's say Dustin Johnson and John Rahm, you're getting first and second finishing points. So like, you'll like kind of be in the lead. You can like, you know, look at your, look at your team and, and depending on how you orchestrate it, you could have like, you could be in the top 10 or something, or at least tied for the top 10. So that's sort of how it works. And then just to go down the list real quick, there's only 30 golfers. So Justin Thomas is minus seven. Webb Simpson is minus six. Colin Morikawa is minus five. And then after that, they group five golfers that are minus four, five golfers that are minus three, minus two, minus one, and then five that are playing at even par. Man, that is crazy. And these prices are just insane right now. We have Dustin Johnson at 15-2, John Rahm at 12-7, Justin Thomas at 11-9, Webb Simpson at 11, Morikara. So so we'll we'll break into this top range, which is pretty crazy. I just I forgot to to bring it up and I just want to talk to you guys. That putt by John Rahm. That was insane. I, I have to know, Joel, how much money did he win you with that putt? <laughs> so he did not win me any, but it was not only was that putt insane, but D- Dustin Johnson's right? putt to get there was it was like an electric golf finish. I mean, for a golf match to have that kind of just action, it was so exciting. I wasn't making or losing really any money. I was kind of dead, but it was still one of the most exciting finishes I'd ever watched with no action on the line. It was a ton of fun. Um but one thing I do want to touch on for this tournament, kind of just going to piggybacking a little bit on what Sia was saying, is while, yes, you get the advantage for the starting points for the guys who are getting their strokes, you don't get birdies. And mm-hmm. so like you look at, the way, way you win is by accumulating the most birdies in this tournament. So that is a factor, right? So if a guy who is not getting the strokes, if you like him to kind of get up, it's way more valuable because you're going to get those birdie points. And if they pass somebody, they're going to get those leadership points anyway. So keep that in mind. Don't be too chalky with the top of the leaderboard because if you like someone below, that's how you're going to win. You have to hit the guy that's going to gain strokes, get the birdies, and then the leadership points in addition. 
I love that. Yeah, I totally agree. Like with 30 players and with those guys at the top, like even if we go as far down as Webb Simpson at minus six, who I think is going to be pretty popular as well, even though he skipped last week, you know, DJ and John Rom, people are just going to want to fit one of those two guys in their lineup for the most part. So it's a really, really good week to be really contrarian and just kind of hope, you know, through through whatever research you have or that we have that some of those minus three and minus four guys start passing guys, because like Joel said, they're getting the birdie points, but then all of a sudden they're flipping the script and getting the finishing position points too. So I know, you know, I don't know how many lineups I'm going to build relative to other weeks. Cause it is kind of a funky tournament with the only 30 players in the starting strokes being applied, but you know, it is, it, let's say I was going to make 10 lineups. I mean, probably six of them, if not, I would say five of them won't include Dustin Johnson and won't include John Rahm, may not even include Justin Thomas. You know, I might I might start some with uh, Webb Simpson, and then I might be like super contrarian, start some with like, I don't know, you know, Hideki at minus four. Because over four days, this is a tough course, you know, all it takes is DJ and John Rahm and Justin Thomas to have, you know, one or two bad days just on the front end with a couple double bogeys here, a couple double bogeys there. And all of a sudden you are just crushing people because you're minus four people and you're minus three people like a Brendan Todd, for example, have have, you know, flipped the script, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And yeah, obviously it's going to be pretty difficult for some of those guys to make up minus 10, to make up minus nine, minus eight. But again, as, as you guys were saying, you still need those birdies. You still need, you know, they can, if they can pass a couple people, that's money. But if you can also get all those birdies, I think that point's pretty important. Well, the, the interesting thing about that is well, that's the first thought I had too. It's like, how are you going to pass minus 10? But keep this in mind. Only one guy is minus 10, right? Mm-hmm. So what if, what if Johnson goes three over? Well, now it's not minus 10. You have to pass anymore. It's not like... You're 10 strokes behind everyone. So yeah. don't overplay that, right? He's ten, he's minus 10. It's just him, though. And then, you know, Rom is, is one behind there. So, you know, if, if any of those top guys go over, then it's almost like a neutral playing field. So And it, and there's only 30 guys, and they're the 30 best golfers in the world, right? Now, not Maybe not technically, but by ranking points, you know, they're 30 of the best golfers in the world. So another interesting thing to think about in pricing is they skewed the pricing to those points. So obviously, you know, you never see a guy priced as high as you will see Johnson and Rom normally, but you also never see guys priced as low as you'll see the bottom of the pack. There's guys in the 5,000s, which isn't a normal thing. So roster construction normalizes a bit because of that, because yeah, the top guys are a little bit higher, but the bottom guys are lower. So when you want to go stars and scrubs, it kind of averages out anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes sense. I like that. But let's uh, let's get a draft update. How many more picks have you gone through? So I got one more pick. Um, I. Listen, it was too good a value. I'm, I'm, my draft strategy is take the best player available in PPR. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is on the board, so I snagged Whoa! him. So now we're looking at Thomas no. and Hopkins. So no so, running backs. So tell me yes. who. Tell me which running backs were available at that spot. So there wasn't anyone there that I was really loving. Uh, and considering DeAndre Hopkins, who you know could be the best receiver, was there. It wasn't really a competition. Me, the best running back on the board was well. The next running back taken was James Conner who I don't really love myself. Um, and the next best running back on the board that's still available is, I don't even see one on my screen. So that's going to Chris Carson uh, and the guy who I'm going to take next. And I don't know if anyone in the league is listening to this, so I'm hesitant to say who it yeah. is because they might don't, know, but there's a guy I'm, I'm, I'm targeting next who I really like a running back. We don't we don't need to know who you want next. I just want to talk about who you've taken and who was available. Like who I, I want to know what the debate was because you are actually starting this is really good that you're starting a draft off like this because this is 
probably going to be the contrarian style, right? With even in a PPR yeah. league with with these two monster receivers, most people are just so desperate for running backs because the depth isn't there. So we, we are kind of in a modified, depending on what you do next, uh, you know, zero running back strategy. And so we'll have to see what you end up doing because I think between rounds like four and nine. Uh, you'll still have some running backs to pick from that have the upside, but maybe the low floor too. So I'm curious to see what you do. I'm very excited for that, but hopping back, this is going to be a fun show. This is going to be this a really cool. fun, I actually like, like 45 this. minutes to an hour. I'm pretty excited for this. So see, ya. let's start with you while Joel is uh, doing his draft and don't worry, Joel, we'll get to you. So let's start with just that top, uh, those top guys above 10 K. We'll call it the elite range. I guess it, as I said, some weird and wacky pricing. You usually don't see something like this, but how I mean, fifteen two for a golfer is just absolutely insane. As you said, most of your lineups, or at least half of your lineups, won't include Rom or Johnson. But I mean, give me the case for for your lineups to include Rom or Johnson. Well, they're playing the best golf. I mean, Rom is is interesting because I think the rap on him previously was, you know, at a course that's as tough as what last week was. You know, when he sort of goes off kilter, his temper sort of gets the best of him. And then all of a sudden, you know, things sort of go awry. Well, that didn't happen last week. And honestly, he's been good now for like a month or two, like really, really elite good. And it's weird. I mean, the guy's only 25 years old, I believe. He's just playing really well. Nothing seems to rattle him right now. So if I was going to make the case between the two, I would definitely take Rom over Dustin Johnson. But, you know, you can't argue with how Dustin Johnson's playing either. I'm looking at the ownership, and I kind of thought DJ was so high price that maybe his ownership would be down relative to the rest of the elite guys. It kind of is. It's only 25% right now, which Rom is 27%, JT is 30, Webb is 25, and Colin, again, who was at minus five, is 18. So I guess that's reasonable um, ownership percentage. But like I said, I might squeeze one of those two guys, probably Rom in a few lineups, but I'm just going to take the contrarian view and just go below those guys. Mm -hmm. Pretty much all of them? Pretty much all of them. All, let's put it this way. If I have 10 lineups, I would say two are going to have Rom. One's going to have Dustin Johnson. One's going to have Justin Thomas. Two are going to have Webb Simpson. That gives me four lineups left. And then I'll just I'll just go super contrarian and, and just, you know, maybe have a Rory in there, you know, start with a Decky and a Bryson. But I just don't think I'm going to have a lot of that top range, that super top range. Yeah, and that makes sense. Joel, how about you? How about look, just talking about that very high top end range? Yeah, I mean, I'm having a hard time getting away from Dustin, just the way he's been playing. I mean, he was, if you guys remember, we came on and we talked about him on my first podcast. I came on, he had just blown up mm-hmm. and it was almost like you can't touch him. And since that happened, he turned it on and he's been by far the best golfer. And like, so I can go either way, right? He can blow up and be completely out of the field and he can be the best golfer in the world by a lot. So we've seen both of them. We've seen the, the best golfer in the world out of him more recently. Um, and with a 10 stroke advantage, I'm definitely gonna have some of him, but he's like, like say he's probably the only guy in the top range. I'm really targeting if for one small strategy. And maybe I'll, I'll probably do one of my lineups is I will do one with probably a Rom and Johnson and then try and go like a real stars and scrubs and then try and filter the bottom. Because the one thing I'm noticing about this player pool is the, these are the top 30 guys in the FedEx cup, right? So when, you, when you're looking at the guys labeled in this price in the 7,000s versus the five, there's not a big difference. So there's not, it wouldn't shock me at all for a guy who's the cheapest guy in this field to have a good round. So therefore, I don't mind trying to taking those chats on, on those lower end guys to fill up my roster. Yeah. And just, uh, just one second, see, I just put Rom and Johnson into a lineup and it leaves you with uh, 
55 25 per golfer left so you're really gonna have to dig mr <laughs> hughes mr smith mr champ down here maybe a little ryan palmer um to really just be able to fit in some golfers i mean even if we go at 6600 at victor hovland then that leaves you at 5166 so if you're doing both of those guys it is going to be very difficult to fit anybody outside of that very very low rend in but hey you have to be contrarian there's 30 guys you got to get you got to get weird with some of this stuff right yeah, and I think some people are going to do, you know, some of those lineups like that. Stars and Scrubs makes a lot of sense. Uh, for me, I just think if, I, if I'm going to do Stars and Scrubs, I'm probably just going to go down just one one or two levels, like a, like a Rahm and a Justin Thomas who I like, or a Rahm and a Webb Simpson, or even a Dustin Johnson and a Webb Simpson, because that's at least a $1,700 discount from the, from the top two. So you can absolutely, I'm, I would almost recommend doing Stars and Scrubs, actually, now that I, now that I hear Joel. But again, Stars and Scrubs doesn't imply the top two necessarily. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, pick off maybe I I don't really love Colin. You know, I would mix up those top four when you're doing stars and scrubs, which is DJ, John Rom, Justin Thomas and Webb Simpson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and just again, putting in Webb Simpson and John Rom uh, again, 11,000 and 12, seven, that at least leaves you with 6,500 left over. So you can really if you still want to dip down to that five five thousand dollar range, you can then hop up, maybe grab a Tyrell Hatton uh, or something along those lines. Maybe Scotty Shuffler at 70, uh, 9,700. But we'll we'll get to them in a second. I was just kind of curious what that pricing would look like. So hopping down, Sia, let's go down to this nine thousand range, uh, which is three guys. Uh, so it's Rory, it's it's um, Matsuyama, and it's Daniel Berger. Daniel Berger still criminally underrated, I'm assuming, but I'll, I'll let you tell me uh, about that. He is, but he has he yields the highest ownership percentage of these three golfers, at least as it as it stands right now. So uh, you know, of these three, I, I do like Berger, the guy I like the best if we're considering how good they've been in the last few weeks and ownership percentage is is uh, Hideki Matsuyama. He was really good. I think he was the best in the field, Tita Green, last week. Nothing really rattled him either, which, again, for me, uh, my history with Hideki is is similar to Rom uh, in that, like, once they start losing it, it just kind of goes off the rails. Nothing seemed to rattle him last week. He didn't have a ton of bad shots. He just seemed really dialed in. But the few shots that were bad, he just kind of, you know, went, went about his way. He's kind of like DJ in that respect right now where, like, nothing he doesn't even really seem to care he's just kind of like going through the motions but like that's good because the pressure is off when you have that type of personality so mm-hmm. i like decky the most there i mean rory is interesting he's he's only 15 percent owned that'll go up for sure you know everybody thinks they're going to be off rory and then when it comes down to it they put in rory and at this price he's so much lower than the other guys i mean it's part of the reason is because he's minus three of course but um no at decky at minus four i like the best for sure yeah and uh joel Talk to me a little bit. What? Uh, how do you feel in this 9K, these three guys in the 9K range? So this range, this week, I think when, when building your roster, it's all about that first conversation we had about how you're building your roster, right? Like, I think more strategy of roster construction than I am even in golfer this week. Like, how am I going? There's only 30 guys. Uh, a lot of these guys are, are really good. So this range, I'm almost completely fading. Um, the one guy in this range who I, I might play is maybe Rory. Uh, and I'm really only liking Rory if it's contrarian, right? So if his ownership looks high heading into the week, I probably won't play him. But if it's going to look really low, then yeah, I'll probably put a little bit of shares of Rory a bit. Um, you know, I've been, I've been probably three weeks in a row playing Rory thinking, you know, he's time to turn around and he hasn't. So now I'm like, that was part of the week. I mean, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm some, I'm done chasing Rory and now probably the week that he'll actually do it. <laughs> Of course, that is always how it is. But again, 30 guys, I'm sure you'll have at least one or two shares of him somewhere yeah. in those contests. And a uh, little draft update. You get your third pick in yet? I did. I did. Yeah. I, I actually reached a little bit. There's a guy that I liked 
Um, the ADP wasn't there, but it was David Johnson. Uh, it's a PPR okay. league. He's a running back that's like almost like a receiver. He's going to get thrown to a lot, especially now that Hopkins on the team. So um, I think for PPR, he's got a safe floor, and I needed a running back, and he was the best guy I liked left. So so I went and I went and got David Johnson, and I'm about to be up again in another two picks. Another two picks. All right. Well, we'll come back to you in a second. And again, everybody listening, everybody watching, we will be uh, after we are done with this golf talk in probably the next 10 minutes, we will be hopping over and just kind of see and I'll just get to comment on everything that's going on. Uh, so that that'll be a lot of fun. Um, oh, Zach's Zach's watching and he's picking. Thanks, Zach. I, uh, you could tell us about your draft strategy, too, when we get to it. How's that sound? Um, so let's hop down to this 8K range uh, again. Only a few guys looks like four is Andrew Shoffley, Harris English, Patrick Reed, Tony Finau. See it. Tell me a little bit about this range and how you're feeling some of these guys. Yeah, I'm never really on Xander. I just think he's always overpriced and overvalued. It's just it's just not going to be for me. Um, Harris English is, is interesting. He's at minus four. I think his price is pretty reasonable. Patrick Reed just hasn't been very good. So normally I like him at the beginning of the year. You know I hit an outright on him. But um, also I think it's a Donald Ross course, and he's not very good on Donald, Ro- Donald Ross courses either. So that's not really helping. Finau at minus two is, is, is I think, a really good play. Um, he, you know, his price is reasonable. And he's been really good. He was really, really good last week, including on Sunday. So uh, I, the, the guys I'll be riding here are Tony Finau and maybe a little bit of Harris English. Love it. Joel, talk to me about this 8K range again. If you're uh, building those superstars lineups, you might be fading this one too. But I'm assuming you'll have a couple of these guys at some point. Yeah, so I'm actually typically, like you see, uh, typically I, I don't love playing Xander. This week I actually do like him a bit. Um, a few reasons. So the one core statistic that I saw that favors accurate drivers and of the top tier, he's a very accurate driver. So that fits him. He, he has, he's got a good course history here. Uh, so I'll play a little bit of him other than that in this range. Um, I like Tony. I might throw Tony in a lineup, but I'm probably fading most of these guys as well. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, my, I start getting excited when we get to the next year. So, Let's go to the next year. Now you'll start hearing my, my, my plays. All right. Talk to me, man. We'll start with you then, Joel. Uh, okay. You, you can go from the 7K range to your draft pick. How's that sound? There you go. <laughs> I love right? it. That's perfect. Um, so as always, right, I think it's almost like a staple for this show. I have to mention Scotty Scheffler. Um, you know, I mentioned him. He does well. I mentioned him. He does well. Let's keep it up. I mean, it would be wrong for me to, for, to him not to mention him because I, we'd just be jinxing him. That's so cool. therefore, as a favor to Scotty, I'm going to mention him, and I'm also going to play him in my lineups. Um, a guy I really like today, uh, this week, is Brenton Todd. So back to what I was saying before, the, the the stat that jumps out on this course is accurate driving, and he's probably the most accurate driver in the in the tournament. So uh, I, I think at this price, he's like a middle-tier guy. You can pretty much build any type of lineup with him except for the one with Rahm and Johnson. Um and you can really get creative. So I'm going to probably have a, a lot of shares of Todd this week. Um, and then I'm probably going to fade him. I don't love Hatton. I do like – if you don't mind if I keep going down, I do like Kisner a lot this week. Uh, I think Kisner's just in really strong form. Uh, he's playing great. He's played well here before. And, again, he's going to he, – he's accurate. He's a good putter. And this is a price range where, like, he's – like. Normally, he's obviously because of the tournament, mm-hmm. the prices are different, but he's super affordable. So you can really do a lot of creative things with your lineup if you get him in there. Um, same kind of reasons I like Abraham Answer. Um, 
Now he's he has cooled off. You know, he was red hot coming out in the beginning mm-hmm. of summer. He's cooled off some. He's started playing better again last week, and that was a super tough course. This course shouldn't be as difficult as last week, uh, and I think it's going to play more to his strengths. Um, and he's a guy that I just I just feel is a better golfer than this price. So if you can, as much as I can, I want to find guys that I'm getting a value on. So I feel like I'll get a nice value with answer. All right, and your draft pick. So I I just snagged uh, Todd Gurley as my second running back. Now, obviously, there's huge risk with Gurley with injuries and everything like that, but there's huge upside with Gurley. Gurley's a guy that could be a top, easily be a top ten running back, maybe even higher, uh, especially in a PPR because he'll they'll throw him a lot. Now, obviously, they have Julio and and Ridley, but that's just going to help him, right? That means there's going to be less attention on him when, especially when he's running routes out of the backfield. So. I think he's another guy that I thought was a safe floor. The The problem with him is the injuries, which is a big risk. I know that's always – I'll make sure I get some some additional running back depth later in the draft. Uh, but right now, I, I, I like my squad. I mean, my team, you know, three years ago would have been unbelievable. Right now, we're a little <laughs> old, but, but it's okay. We're like hey, – That's just how it goes sometimes. All right, back to golfer. Uh, a couple more minutes. See ya. Uh, talk to me about that 7K and I guess the top half of that 6K range a little bit. Yeah, so I'm really glad he mentioned Brendan Todd because he's my favorite play this week. So he's starting at minus three, so he doesn't have a huge shot to come back and win this thing. But he, the way he's playing, he absolutely has a shot. I mean, obviously, you're going to need some of those top guys to really have a, like a bad day or two. But Brendan Todd, he's, he's starting at minus three. He's 7,600. Um, he's in that 18 to 20% range when it's all said and done, which, again, for a 30-person tournament, isn't really that high. Um, I don't like Sung J.M., uh, similar to Joel. Uh, I think Terrell Hatton is a, is a decent play at minus two. He certainly has upside to to catch some people. And I do like Scotty Scheffler. But if I was going to rank those four guys, it would definitely be Brendan Todd first. And then it would probably be Scheffler, then Hatton, and then I'm off him. Even though M is starting at minus four, which is above mm-hmm. all those guys I just mentioned, uh, his game is just way off. So yeah, he um, hasn't been he hasn't been yeah. super great in the last few weeks. And then what about that six K range? Six K. Okay, so Kisner I do like. I think Kisner is solid. Uh, Hovland I'm off. So for a couple reasons, he just hasn't really been that good lately, as good as I would want him to be. And honestly, around the green game is going to matter here, and he's pretty bad. Uh, around the green Uh, he's gotten a little bit better since the restart but he's pretty bad so I just don't want to have to rely on a guy that could just completely choke when he's you know in the fringe you know know, 20 feet away in chipping so um, I'm off Hovland the the rest of the guys in that 6k range I think Joaquin Neiman is very worthy of being in a lineup he's playing really well Um, he's starting at minus two I do like Abraham answer probably not as much as Joel I've sort of just taken a different view of abraham answer lately so uh, i'm not really on him and then oh he's the end of that 6k range so if again if i had to rank those guys i would start with joaquin neiman then i'd go to kisner and then i would go to answer and then everybody else i'm off in that range Mm -hmm. yeah and again we really have to pay attention to these guys in the six and the 5k range especially because you're probably going to need a couple of those guys in those that that top tier if not then you're you know going heavy in that eight and 7k range so you're probably going to have to pick somebody you know listening out there is going to pick some of those 6k guys and somebody's going to make a lot of money i do just want to say the Tiger Woods pick last week, guys, that's in, uh, that didn't go out so well. But we're, we're not going to pay out too much attention to that one. Um, so let us go to the end, pretty much. Now we're in the 5K range. This is actually the biggest range, which I think is kind of funny. Um, but as you guys were saying, I mean, we have, we're at minus one, and then we're at you know even starting. So obviously, these guys are going to have the most difficult time winning. But there's definitely a shot for them to, to gain 
points determined by where they finish, which I think is pretty important. So Sia, let's start with this 5K range. Talk to me a little bit about here and where, again, if we are going with Rom, if we are going with a Rom and Johnson lineup, or even just Johnson at some point, you're going to have to dip down here a little bit to find a lot of value. Yeah, you know, Sebastian Munoz is really interesting. It was particularly because he's starting at minus three, which in this range is kind of a luxury because most of these guys are going to be even minus one. There's a couple, or I should say one that's minus two, and that's Lonto Griffin. Lonto Griffin is a guy actually that's that's been really good. I mean, I, I don't really have an argument against Lonto Griffin if you're going to do stars and scrubs. Kevin Nas, also another guy like Ryan Palmer. Um, I think probably the run for Mackenzie Hughes, Cameron Smith, and certainly Mark Leishman I'm not on. So if I had to rank these guys, and I, I didn't even mention Billy Horschel, uh, you know, as much as I like Munoz in terms of like, you know, he's starting at minus three, I'm not really on him. I will fit him into a couple of lineups though. But in terms of how I rank these guys in terms of ability to climb the chart, it would be Billy Horschel, Kevin Na, Ryan Palmer, and then Lonto Griffin. Lonto. Man, that's a sweet name. And I'm so sad. Our, our Cockrack and Gooch, that, that lineup didn't do shit for me last week. That didn't work out very well. Gooch was uh, bad. Gooch was bad. Gooch was very bad. Still love his name. Still my favorite guy. And but, and by the way, this is it. I know you only did three lineups. I mean, this is really why like doing like maybe 10 lineups, mm-hmm. you know, is not really truly excessive because I did have Tiger. I had, I had Gooch in a few. I had Tiger Woods in probably more than a few, maybe 35%. But I also had, you know, I tripled my DraftKings money because I had a couple maybe three lineups that had john rom um tony finau and hideki matsuyama so the the bottom three were like weren't that great i had joel damon domin in one and uh you know a couple of guys that were kind of not great Corey connors who double bogeyed 18 which didn't help me at all but you know if you're ever gonna if you're ever gonna put tiger woods in your lineups just make sure you diversify your portfolio because you never want that all, all your chips to be in the tiger woods basket so to speak Yes. I think or I eggs. Know. Eggs yeah. in the basket. Chips eggs on the, the table. I don't, I'm bad with I, metaphors. Peeps, man. Peeps. It's almost Easter. What's up? Joel, talk to me. So I, I really like what, what Sia was saying there because what, what I always think about and something that I think I would recommend to all fantasy players is this. Whatever your bankroll is for the week, my recommendation is, if, let's say it's $100, instead of putting one lineup in a $100 tournament, if you can do 10 $10 tournaments, it's going to be one way more fun. And two, what happens is, you build your player pool, right? And even like – I can't tell you how often this happens. Well, I'll have 10 guys and I'll like Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods will be way off and he was my favorite play and that misses. And normally if you don't play that way, you lose all your money. But maybe the ninth or tenth guy that I liked will go off. He's like, you know what? I was so close. But, my ninth or, right? but as long as you play that way, your ninth or tenth guy goes off, you're still in it because you have other alternatives where if you take 10 guys, you don't have to have your number one guy hit. As long as one of the guys in your top 10 hits, right, then some of your lines will have a chance. So – from that reasoning, like we can't say here, we're not, you know, we, we can't predict the mm-hmm. future. We can't tell you who's going to win every tournament. But if we're close, if we, if we give you a pool of 10 guys that one of them does well, then you're in it. So that's the recommendation is take a pool and then build different lineups off of that pool. And then what happens is, even though you might miss on the guy that you're most confidence on, the ninth or tenth guy might actually hit. And then you're right there. And you're right there. And Scotty Scheffler is that guy uh, for Joel this week, it sounds like. We'll speak that one into an existence, and hopefully he keeps riding that momentum. So, Joel, let's talk about this 5K range. Uh, we'll talk about some outrights, because I don't think first-round leader is really that fun of a bet this week. I don't know. Maybe it's me, but uh, talk to me uh, Talk to me about this 5K range. Because, again, if you're going Johnson, Rom, you are going to be down, down deep in this 5K range. So one of my favorite plays this week is Billy Horschel. Um, he has... So like one of the metrics I look at is, you know, how these guys have performed previously on the course. 
and he has gained the most strokes on this course than almost anybody or the second most. So he's having strong course history. He's definitely in good form. If you watch the last four couple weeks, he's been playing well. His strokes going into the tournament are low. Um, but you know what that means? That means he's going to have to, a lot to get a lot of birdies to compete, and we get more points for birdies. So I love Horsch, and especially allows you to build lineups with, if you want to get Rom in there, you want to get DJ in there, you can do it with Horschel in your lineup. So uh, he's going to be my most owned player probably this week, if, if it's not DJ. Um, and then as I scroll down, you know, you, you're going to have to get creative. It's going to be hard to play Mark Leishman after what he's shown over the last two months. He's just been putrid. I mean, I don't think he has a round better than – I don't think he shot a round better than 69 at all since the restart. So it's going to be hard to go to him uh, – with me saying that, there's a good chance that he ends up shooting, you know, 65, and that's great. But I probably won't be playing him, and if I'm not playing him, oh, I'm up. I got a draft. Hold on. Oh, Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. So um, just to to finish that thought, though, and I know this is not where he was going, but um, Vic Joel, Leish- quick. Oh, oh, he got it. Okay. Sorry. I got it. He um, Leishman's only at five percent ownership. I mean, he's definitely the lowest guy on the board. So I mean, if he really wanted to go contrarian. Hey, listen, maybe he picked up something with his swing, you know, yesterday. So you never know. I mean, that again, it's hard to go contrarian with 30 people. You can without Leishman, but this that's a good way to just solve that issue right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Back he is know. like, substance-wise, like in his career, he's a good golfer. I mean, this guy, he's in the tournament. You got to do something right to get in this tournament. So it's just recently it's been bad. So you're right. I mean, if he can turn something around at 5% ownership, especially in a 30 golfer pool, that's something there's something to like about that, but from what I've seen recently. And and the one counter in his favor that I'll give is last week's course, nobody played well. So his plus twenty or whatever he was looks really ugly. But it was when plus the average, 30. Plus, oh God. It was plus thirty. <laughs> that's really bad. But his you know, plus twenty but, doesn't look bad, but his plus thirty, man, that looks pretty terrible. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. But the, his defense, the middle golfer was probably plus fifteen or plus ten. So plus 30 here wasn't plus 30 at a regular course. Plus 30 here was probably more like plus 10 or 15, which is still bad. But <laughs> well, but maybe a little I bit more. see the argument you're trying to make. I don't agree with it, but I see it and I respect it. Let's just No, but there's a corollary to that argument, which is if you're like plus 18 or you're plus 12 and it's day two, like what are the chances you're going to be dialed in and yeah. fighting back yeah. to get to plus seven? Like it's just not going to happen. So you don't want to withdraw from the tournament because you, you really can't do that, especially with the tour championship going on. So, you know, what do you do? You just kind of like swing away and just hope that, you know, the hours go by pretty quick and you're done with the tournament. So, you know, a plus 30, is that truly how bad he played? Probably not. He was probably the worst guy on, on on the course out of the 70 but he wasn't a plus 30 golfer uh last week how does no he finish in last place i mean was how, like how many spots did this guy drop if he finished in last place last week yeah i mean i don't know the the amount of no but, but like it had to have been pretty big right yes but he clearly had his spot secured so he had to be like pretty high so i mean okay. I, you know i don't know how many he dropped but yeah he probably dropped 15 spots or 16 spots but he was probably right in the middle of the pack mm-hmm. so it didn't matter makes sense i don't think you lose points for doing badly 
you only no, gain but everybody else well. would have gained right. so in terms of passing more him, than yeah. him, right? right? Like anybody in right. that 40 range, like had the opportunity, but that's just more a, a, a random thought that popped in my head. All right. So that is our DFS breakdown. Make sure to follow at Draftmaster Flex. Make sure to follow at CN Najad for more, more, more of that. We've been getting a lot of tweets on in the Twitterverse uh, with people making money on PGA. So, and I keep yeah, getting congratulated, uh, which is awesome. And I, I'm just here to <laughs> kind of facilitate the conversation with you guys. So I appreciate that gentleman uh, who who keeps tweeting at me. I uh, will continue to help in any way that I can. Just ask. I'm always here. So let's talk about some of these outrights. It's going to be really weird. Um, let me actually, I kind of want to pull up the outrights because it's probably really crazy. So Sia, who, how, like, how do you even look at something like this? Because again, with it being so, I mean, with everybody starting already, some people at minus 10 others already starting at minus five like how do you even go about like are we really just i know you like only 30 to and to one and and over but like how are you looking at potentially betting on this tournament so first of all for once DraftKings has sort of done a disservice to its clientele because there are two ways to bet this tournament one with starting strokes applied which is the minus Mm -hmm. 10 the minus eight and the other one with starting strokes not applied so you're like basically like a regular golf tournament you're just starting from even so a lot of websites, including one that I use, has both options. So you can mm-hmm. do starting strokes apply, starting strokes don't apply. So, and obviously the odds are going to be vastly different from the two. So if we're just going to look at DraftKings, my, my picks are the 30 to one shots and longer. I, I really only have two that I think could conceivably catch the leaders, mm-hmm. or I should say pass them and have the leaders, you know, drop, sort of fade to the to the back. Those two are Hideki Matsuyama at minus four. So he's 35 to one. The way he played last week, it, he could easily pass these guys if they just have a, a mediocre tournament throughout the, the four days, and which on this course is very, very possible. So I like him at 35 to one. The super long shot that I like, and we talked about him, Joel brought him up first at 150 to one and starting at minus three, which is seven shots back. But like Joel said, seven shots back of one guy, five shots back of the, of the next guy and so on is Brandon Todd, 150 to one. This guy has been really, really, really good. And then once, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get Joel's response to that and then we'll, and I'll address a couple of the guys I like if you have the option of starting strokes not applying. So I do just want to say um, you might not just have scrolled down far enough because DraftKings does have starting strokes not applying. You just had to scroll. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. Okay, okay. I see it now. Thanks. I thought they cool. would have yeah had it at the top, making it very, very clear, but I accidentally kept scrolling, and that's why yeah. I found it. So we're still good there. So, um, so Sia, do you want to touch upon no uh, starting strokes applied? Yeah, so I was going to say Webb Simpson, but they have Webb Simpson at 11 to 1. The, the, mm-hmm. One of the sites I use has him at 14 to 1. So, I I mean, I'm again, shop your, your price. Mm-hmm. 11 to 1, I would never take, even though it seems like a small difference. It's not. Um, Hideki at 19 to 1, I like. Uh, Tony Finau at 19 to 1, I like, but not as much as Hideki. And then let's go back to Brandon Todd. On the site I looked at, he was 60 to 1, and here he is 70 to 1. So, again, this is starting from scratch. I think out of 30 players, you know, if a few of those quote top top guys don't, you know, have great tournaments, Brendan Todd can just coast and and beat everybody. And honestly, he might not have the pressure that he normally has on Sundays because he won't be competing for that first place prize. But he certainly will be competing potentially if if he's leading, you know, from even par for like let's say the sixth place prize, which is 1.9 million. So there's not there's pressure, but there's not pressure on him on Sunday potentially if he's not chasing the actual leader. 
My goodness. 1.9 million. Jeez. For sixth place. I know. For sixth place, man. Good for them. Well deserved. They're the best in the world for a reason. Uh, Joel, talk to me. How do you, how are you looking at betting this? Are you going to try and do a little bit of both or are you particularly more on one side than the other? Yeah. So it's interesting. It's definitely the type of person you are, right? Like me and C always talk about we like to take shots, right? It's not as fun in a golf tournament to bet on a guy at, you know, six to one. Uh, so I like, you know, the, the concept of when you can get those odds. So for me, I'm looking at like, I, I'm actually more excited because you're getting now some good golfers who are odds are actually blowing up because they have to start at a disadvantage. Um, and all that means is you need some of the top couple, two or three of the top guys to not play well and the disadvantages are raised. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to take a couple small bets at some big paydays. Billy Horschel's one um, who I like as a, you know, he's going to have a huge, huge weekend. I like him to do that. Uh, Todd, I really like this week. I will say I like Todd more for DraftKings than I do betting him outright. Unless you're doing without the advantage, then I like Todd mm-hmm. for that reason. Um, but Todd's not someone that usually will go like you know eight or nine under, and you're going to need someone who's going to do that to to win with the Sharks advantage. So that's why you you got to chase a guy who might have you know a bit more volatile because they're going to have to go off one day to actually get into this tournament. So I think Horschel can. Uh, Horse was a guy that can get you an, an eight under one day and then neutralize the strokes and be right in it. So that's who I'm looking at for those reasons. It's a, uh, because of the weird strokes, thing, it makes it really hard to bet, which I usually like top 20 and top 10, because mm-hmm. it's almost like you have to take the guys that are up there and their odds are like even or minus. So yeah, I think I'm kind a of a bunch of guys up top are minus just Dustin Johnson minus 455 to finish right. in the top 10. Like, all right, where's the, they can't really do much with that. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. But Hey, it is what it is. I think it's interesting. And yes, that Horschel pick is 225 to one. So I don't know anybody else say I wants to put two bucks down on it with me. We could have a nice little, uh, <laughs> almost $500 payday right there. I'm not angry about that. So uh, anybody else in terms of betting? Cause I think it's kind of, it's just a weird week. Yeah, it's a weird week. From straight betting, mm-hmm. there's really not much you can do there. The one thing there's there's two um, there was two bets that I wrote down that I wanted to talk about. It was kids their top ten, which you can get plus three hundred. So it, again, that's not something I'd put a lot on because it's a mm-hmm. bit of a reach and it's only three hundred. But that's something fun if you want to track all week. Yeah. That could be a fun one. And the other one is Horschel top ten. You get plus four fifty. Um, you know, if, if you're buying Horschel, if you if you like what I'm saying more realistic that he has a good week and finishes in the top 10 than it is him winning the tournament so that could be a fun one where if you want to maybe try and get a win uh that'd be the more recommended bet i love it i love it well that is our breakdown of the 2020 tour championship down in atlanta uh we had the dfs we had the betting and now we get to talk about the win daily sports fantasy football draft so you may have seen before we do have the draft in front of us we do see oh uh so if anybody is watching you can see who joel is queuing so i, I apologize <laughs> joel. hopefully uh nobody out there zach in particular is looking to steal any of your picks but let's go over your team so far uh so talk to us a little bit about who you've gotten and uh how they how how this team is shaping up for you yeah so um I'm trying to find out. Is there a way I can just show you my full roster? Right, it's down here. Yeah, so, uh, my first pick was um, Thomas, as you all know. And just for value reasons, this was not a strategic plan. I wasn't planning to go zero RB or anything like that. For value reasons, Hopkins was the best player on the board on round two. So, I went with him. It's a PPR league. So, I, I was trying kind of, I am leaning heavier toward pass catchers, right? And so, I have maybe the two best pass catchers in the league, which helps. 
Um, so then obviously I needed to get a running back because you know, I was starting to get these slim pickings. I reached a little bit on David Johnson. Uh, he's a high upside play that he, he also is almost a receiver out of the backfield. So for PPI, I thought I, I get a little bit of an advantage on him. And then I came back and took Gurley. So I filled out my running back position. I, I definitely went high risk at running back. Um, so I, I do want to get some depth. Then I came back. I took Mark Andrews at tight end. Um, I think he's, you know, he's going to be a top three or four tight end after the big two. It's him and Ertz, I think. So uh, I like having a tight end in a good tight end in PPR. I would probably fade tight end in a regular league, but with PPR, I want to get those catches. And if I can get a guy that's going to get a lot of catches, um, I feel good about about Andrews. Um, and then the the pick you guys heard earlier was when I, I almost missed it was Cup. Uh, and again, like I said, he's he's another guy that, that should be able to get me over 100 receptions. So for my flex spot, um, especially when you're like, oh, who do I play? You can lean on a guy that that's going to have a safe floor in terms of targets and receptions. That's a, a good a good position to be in, especially in that flex where you can mm-hmm. rotate guys in. And then for my last pick, you know, one thing I read about my last pick I had was J.K. Dominguez looked really good as a receiver out of the Baltimore backfield, and Baltimore is going to have. He's going to get plenty of play. They run the ball more than anybody in the league. Um, they're not going to hand it off to Ingram 30 times. So he's going to get play. Uh, and if they're going to throw to him too, they don't have many weapons, right? They have um, Brown, but other yeah. than that, they have Andrews. But other than that, not really a receiver that many people know about. So they might throw to him. You know, He might get a good share of targets. So uh, I like him at least as a good safe third running back, especially if Gurley or Johnson gives some injury issues. And now you are on the clock. So talk to us. Take take a little bit of time. Take a little bit of time. Talk to us. Who is on the draft board? We kind of know your team. Where are you looking to go with this pick right here? So I need a quarterback, but there's a there's a player left. There's plenty of good quarterbacks left. If yeah. I, I feel like if I skip that now, I'll be fine. I'm reading and hearing all good things about Gronk. And the way my team's looking with all old guys that <laughs> are going for the resurgence, I might complete it. Right? I may just have a theme and just go, hey, old guys for the comeback. So um, I think I'm going to take Gronk. I think he has a really good upside. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're going to do. Okay. Uh, Sia, do you have any um, – you can be the analyst. Talk to us. How do you feel about Joel's team so far, and how do you like that Gronk pick? Okay, so I love the zero running back approach. I mean, again, people have a different impression of what zero running back really is. But these days, if you're skipping out on running back the first two rounds, you know, that's pretty much zero running back as far as I'm concerned, especially in a 12-team league. So I like what you did because you've got upside running backs, including J.K. Dobbins. And really, if two of those three hit, you're in good shape. I absolutely hate the Gronk pick. Yeah, me too. the I wanted to talk him out of it, but I wouldn't. I didn't want to do it. No, the reason is, first of all, there was a, a couple other tight ends that that I liked ahead of him, but and I don't know who was at r- running back or wide receiver. I agree with your analysis about not taking quarterback. The problem with Gronk, first of all, he's kind of older, and we don't know if he's he's really going to get a full allotment of snaps like like people think he might. But more importantly, there's three tight ends on that team that will be, be catching passes. There's Cameron Brait, there's O.J. Howard, and there's Gronk, who, you know, is is at least from an age and ability standpoint, we don't really know where Gronk is at, but we do know where Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard are. And then, of course, you have the headache of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So I just and, – and they've got some slot receivers that are pretty good too. So I just think from a target share standpoint – you could have a game where where Gronk is technically starting, maybe, but like 
he's got three looks, you know, and and he catches one for nine yards. You know, maybe it's a touchdown. I'm not you know, listen. That's the floor, obviously. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he can have a game where he has two touchdowns and in in seventy five yards. But I just I don't ever want to get involved with a player. Forget about the fact that he's coming back from football from the WWE, which which. Uh, you know, we, we had a laugh with Robert Griffin III uh, last Wednesday about that. That was pretty funny. But man of the people, I think he called him. But just forget about that for a second. There's just too many mouths to feed. So if if in that round, I just probably would have gone somewhere else. I I probably agree. I think you could have waited a little bit longer for Gronk too. Um, I like how CNI just get to berate you with how you're wrong. Um, I think this part's <laughs> kind of fun. So I'm glad we're doing this. But all right, actually, yeah. Do you have do you have rebuttal or anything, Joel? I guess we should yeah yeah for a second. Let me rebuttal. Let me rebuttal. <laughs> so your analysis is fair. Your analysis is fair. But the reason why I took him is for this. I already kind of have my starters in place other than quarterback. So at this point, I'm looking. I'm seeking upside, right? At this point, I don't need a safe another running back that's going to get 15 touches. I need to find a guy that, listen, let's say Gronk comes back healthy. He's not that old, right? He just was hurt. He, he's in his early to mid-30s. Gronk could be a top three tight end if he's in that offense, back to his old self, playing with Tom Brady. So that was the thought process. It wasn't as a guy that I want to play week to week. It was a thought process of I'm taking a dart on a guy that could be you know, a top three upside pick in a depth position where I already have my starters anyway. So I will say this because even if you don't have a lot of faith in Gronk, you could draft him and then four rounds later, get a guy at tight end to just like, make sure you have that position secured. Cause there's plenty of tight ends that aren't even getting drafted that I actually like, like a Blake Jarwin, for example. Um, with that said, I, I just don't know who else was on the, on the board. So, I mean, t- you know, you might be right, Joel, but, but if there was even, if there was any sort of running back on the board or, or high upside receiver, I would have gone there first. And like Michael said, I would have waited uh, and gotten Gronk in the next round because I, I think he would have been there. Michael, anything to add there? Yeah, I think you could have just waited. If you really wanted him, I think you could have waited at least one more round to this pick that you have coming up at about 102, it looks like. So definitely excited about that. And yeah, this is fun. Hopefully, I know Zach is watching, so he knows who you're, you're all queued up. But what, I guess, what do you... So as you said, I, I, I like the strategy. Like I am... A little bit more passive. I'm a little more conservative when it comes to my bench. I'm just looking for guys. If, especially with the way you did running back, if you went with someone like Gurley, you went with someone like Johnson. We've seen what those guys have done last year. I understand there there is that floor, so to speak, but I, I think Todd Gurley's floor is zero because he gets hit once. Uh, he's done. I mean, obviously that's for anybody, but specifically with him and his knee, I think there's the opportunity. Also, thinking about it now, you should just cue a bunch of random people so that way anybody watching <laughs> can actually know who you're actually thinking about drafting. So I know Zach is watching. Uh, I know Zach is watching. So definitely, yeah, there you go. Just cue a bunch of people. That'll be fun. You know you know what, though, Michael? What I will say about the Gurley uh, pick and and who was the other one? It was Gurley and David, David Johnson. Johnson. The one thing, because I don't really like them either because of the injury risk and you know how they've looked the last time we see it, we, we've seen them, which of course is recency bias, but there's some you know actual information we can analyze too. But with that said, you, you have to consider the fact that there isn't a legitimate backup for either of those guys. Mm-hmm. And what, what that means to me is that the coaches have some faith in the health outcome of both of these players because you would think a guy like Devontae Freeman or a guy like Leonard Fournette just being out there, they'd be like, hey, listen, we're not so sure about Gurley getting more than 12 touches a game, so please come on in. You can spell him, you know, basically 40% of the time. Mm-hmm. The fact that that hasn't happened or the fact that there's like not a big-time rookie that either of those two teams drafted to basically supplant when the inevitable injury happens, that does speak to the fact that like 
you know, maybe we're overvaluing the the injury idea versus the it's just versus the upside that Joel's talking about. Yeah, I, I do think that the ceiling is high, but I also think that oh, that's the only thing is I think the floor is a lot lower than you think it might be. That's just the only thing. Again, David Johnson. Now, last year, last year, David Johnson was weird because if you look at his stats, he actually started out the year really, really good. He either said something or did something and pissed off Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury and was pretty much in the doghouse from that point forward, which was well, really he got weird. hurt. He got hurt first. Yeah, but like he definitely they brought in Kenyon Drake before he was hurt. Like it was just a weird situation. He had like four or five, three or four really good games with over 20 points, especially in PPR. And then it just got weird. And then he like started saying stuff on Twitter. Like, I guess I'm not playing anymore when he clearly was healthy enough to play. Obviously they preferred Kenyon Drake maybe in that offense. So I don't hate the David Johnson pick. I mean, I don't hate either pick, especially with the way it went out because again, you're ending with Michael Thomas. So that's a guaranteed amount of points already. I mean, that's a hundred catches that DeAndre Hopkins, that's a hundred catches right there. So as you said, with PPR, you're, you're at a floor of 200 points, I think, with those dudes. And then we can put on touchdowns and everything. So I think it's exciting. But you're coming up here again. Talk to me a little bit. Again, I understand your strategy of really trying to find some high upside guys with that bench. What are you thinking 44 seconds until your pick? Um, are you trying to go a little bit more deep into running back? Or are you trying to grab a couple more wide receivers? Again, you have three really good ones right now. Um, or are you just going to try and grab another old dude just to kind of complete the triumphant? <laughs> so, <laughs> so right now, my thought process is because I have a very volatile running back core, uh, I want to just get another back that will at least I can feel like we'll get some consistent playing time. Uh, so that's where I'm looking now is just a safe running back that I can put out there in case I get with an injury or something that um, I know on a week to week basis, you know, I can get points from. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And honestly, looking at the board, it's slim pickings. Yes. Um, there's not a lot here. I love I'm thinking I'm thinking about Duke because I have David. So it's like, mm-hmm. If David goes down or something, then I'd say handcuff is also a guy I can play because they'll throw him a lot. Um, I'm thinking about Mac because Mac, I think, is going to start the year. Mm-hmm. But the problem with those plays are, you know, he's going to eventually lose carries. And, you know, yeah. you win fantasy leagues at the end of the year, not at the beginning. So that's the type of play that, you know, I, I probably would want to wait another round or two before I, t- I took a risk on someone like him. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I know it's hard to in fantasy to play a Patriots running back, but I feel like I, I might be able to get their starter here with, with Harris. Um, he also might not be the starter, but it's a, it's another risky play. But if I can if I can lock up the Patri- the starting back on the Patriots at this point, I think that would put my team in good shape. So I think that's, that's who I'm going to go with. Or I could change my mind and just go with Sonny Michelle. <laughs> Sony Michelle, who's on the same team as he's, I think I saw he was still left. Yeah. He's yeah. way down here. Um, all right. What see, do you guys we'll hold, think? We'll hold, no, see, and I'll hold to the end. This is your team, man. We're just here to just kind of pounce. <laughs> and, uh, we're vultures <laughs> in this situation, if I may. Uh, I want to go at the incumbent. Okay. All right. See ya. Sony Michelle. I actually like that play better than Damian Harris. Um, I think. I think everybody's down on Sonny Michelle for the obvious reasons because he's just he's had that foot injury and he's he's been nursing it for about six months, but he's back and he's a better running back than Damian Harris. I mean, he's just way more talented, way more athletic, faster, all of that stuff. So um I like that. I did notice that Chris Thompson was on there and I thought in a PPR league, maybe take him. But you know, 
who knows what's going to happen? Like when, mm-hmm. when, the, when cut day happens, you know, that Jacksonville might pick up a, a running, a running back that can also catch as well. And Chris Thompson all of a sudden gets marginalized. Chris Thompson is so, very favored in that backfield. I just will say with Jay Gruden coming over, that's when Chris Thompson had those two really good years. As you know, Sia, um, mm-hmm. I guess it was more like one and a half years till he like snapped his leg. That was, Ooh, that was so sad. But yeah, I think, um, I think he has a great opportunity uh, to really do some stuff. And I think one thing, especially about Chris Thompson, I think, you know, garbage time is always fun. But I think he's just going to be a fourth quarter back because the Jags are going to be down by so many points. He will always be on the field in the fourth quarter because they're always need going to have that outlet. They're always going to need that check down. But good, Joel, you were saying, sorry. Yeah, so I've been doing, I'm not sure if you saw uh, DraftKings set up like best ball drafts where you can do like your best ball drafts on DraftKings. It's a lot of fun if you want to like practice. So I've been doing a lot of those. And in best ball, I love Chris Thompson. I'm doing I'm taking a lot of them from that perspective. Um but for here, it's harder to like know which week to play him, right? Mm-hmm. There's somebody, there'll be too many weeks where I'll have 10 catches for 80 yards and a touchdown on my bench. And then the next week you play him and he has, you know, three catches for 20 yards. So that's the way I stay away from guys like that because it's just a guessing game week to week when they're going to pop off. So I love guys like him in best ball, but when I have to make the decision, I try to get guys that are a little bit more like consistent with carries and things like that. I like that. So yeah, have- that makes sense. So you have uh, three wide receivers. You have four running backs. You have two tight ends. You still haven't grabbed that quarterback, which I still think I, I saw Matt Ryan go off. Ooh, Preston Williams just went. I assume that was Nick um, just grabbing <laughs> Preston Williams. Shout out to our good buddy Sticks Picks. We appreciate him as always. Um, what are you? Are you considering quarterback at this position? You have the uh, you have the page pulled up, or are you still trying to maybe catch another wide receiver or um, uh, running back before they fall a little too far? So um, there's one other player that will not be named yet that I'm hoping oh. will fall to me. Uh, it's not a quarterback. And if he does, okay. I'm going to take him. If not, then I probably will go quarterback at this point. Mm-hmm. There are enough quarterbacks left where I feel like if I have to wait another round, I'll still get someone that I'll be happy with. So um, I'm not panicking yet at quarterback. If, they, if there's still other guys I need to go get, then, then I'm going to go get them. Okay. See, so yeah, yeah. yeah, keep going. No, I was going to say, because most people who have drafted a quarterback already, which is most of the league, obviously, you know, they're, they're probably not going to invest in a backup quarterback at, at this point in the draft. So it kind of leaves a couple rounds for Joel to kind of, you know, not worry about somebody, you know, because those people that drafted a quarterback are probably going to try, you know, the upside receiver or the you know last running back that might get playing time. So, yeah, I, I kind of like that strategy. There's enough well, out there. One thing, I totally agree with that strategy, but we also have to know who we're drafting against, right? We know Jason is waiting for that Ben Roethlisberger in the, uh, what what round are you in? Probably this round, next round. We know Jason's waiting and Sticks is waiting for that Tom Brady pick as well. So I think it would just have to know, know who you're drafting against and how they're going to draft because I do think that um, that that does change it. And who just got Mike Gusecki? Was that uh, Nick as well? So I'd, I'd also like to know, Joel, how many picks do you? Because there's a couple guys I see um, on the screen that, that I, I quite like. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I have four Two, more four. bench spots, a quarterback, and then defense and kicker. Oh, wow, so you guys are using kickers. 
that's uh, kind of weak. Losers. I agree. Uh, yeah, nobody does that. <laughs> it's not like a third of the game, you idiots. Um, Chase Edmonds. <laughs> I actually really like Chase Edmonds um, this year because I think Kenyon Drake, especially already being hurt. Now I know he came out and said he's going to take everybody's fantasy football team to the moon, but you can't do that if you're in crutches, buddy. Uh, so I don't <laughs> mind Chase Edmonds uh, super late, and it sounds like he went a little earlier. Tony Pollard now. I, I mean, I don't know. We kind of saw... Um, when Zeke goes down, the offense doesn't, you know, that running back, it's, it's like taking Wayne Gallman, um, or taking, uh, I think giants have Dion Lewis now, not quite the same. You're just here for Saquon Barkley. Let's be honest. So it's, not it's to- not though. Tony Pollard is way better than Wayne Gallman. It's not even yes, close. I would agree with that, but still, I mean, it's still, I don't know. doesn't really do too much for me, especially with all those pass catchers. Um, so talk to us, Joel, you said you were waiting for someone to drop. Did they drop to you? They did. And now I'm just torn between two. So my oh, thought no. process is this. I can lock up the Patriots' backfield, take Harris, at least knowing I have the running back for the Patriots. And with my questionable running back field, should that security should help my roster. The best player on the board for me right now is Debo Samuel. Yeah, he's hurt. He's going to miss a few weeks. Uh, I can afford that. Wait. But I feel like I'd have the best player if I... Uh, Here's the thing. With that IR yeah. slot, you can take Debo, throw him into your IR slot immediately, and then if you don't get somebody at the end of your draft, you can just go and snag him right either off waivers or wait the two days and just pick someone up right there. So that's that's a strategy I talked a little bit about um, on SiriusXM because if you're, everyone has IR slots now because of COVID, you can snag right. him, throw him in your IR slot. He'll be there. Same thing with Jalen Rager. Yeah, but regardless, Debo is the pick. Uh, that was oh, what yeah. I was. That's what I was looking at. I mean, the upside there is immense. I mean, he could literally be a wide receiver one or two for you once he's healthy. Which, by the way, could be week one, but more Definitely. likely week two or week three. Definitely draft because you're getting close. I'm to sorry, it. guys. Oh, he's taking Damian Harris. Mm, man, yeah. I here's the thing. Uh, my draft strategy: never take a Patriots running back ever in <laughs> any situation because it never works. Because the week you play Damian Harris, it's going to be James White. The week you play Sony Michelle, it's going to be Damian Harris, and you're just going to kick yourself over and over and over <laughs> again. Um, maybe Debo's still there when you get there. I don't know. Um, somebody just picked Anthony Miller. Shout out that guy. Um, I know him. Miller. I'm sure he's a great person on the Wind Daily Sports team. We appreciate the hell out of him, but we will see. Um, so we have a couple picks left. I think. Do you want to? Do you want to stick here? So yeah, I mean, they're kind of at the end. I don't want to bore people too much either. So well, let's 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 talk about um, let's talk about what's left on on the board here. Can we see? I mean, I know we can see his cue, but yeah, can you just go to top or just overall? There you go. Okay. Because I do think this is an area where people kind of mail it in where you you really don't have to. And see, Tyler Higby's still there, man. That's like, how is Tyler Higby still there? That is pretty, uh, I think you could, oh man, I'm kind of pissed off you took Gronk now. (laughs) (laughs) Robbie Anderson, John Brown, more of a best ball. I don't know. Mike Williams is hurt. Tyrell Williams was just said today that he is going on the IR. That is unfortunate. So he is probably, uh, did it say he was out for the year or is he designated to return? He's out for the year. He is yeah that yeah. sucks so that's that's pretty unfortunate so i, so, I assume rugs brian edwards moved, brian edwards and hunter renfro would be decent decent plays for the raiders there it could be interesting um you still have you still haven't grabbed your quarterback yet huh no i oh, think that's no. where we're gonna come next is we're gonna we're gonna grab a quarterback here i mean that's, that's um a lot of good quarterbacks available yeah. there's plenty of options i mean honestly oh, i'm looking at who five, just took Debo? Five, Who just took Debo? Maybe next year. Oh, 
I don't know who that is. I forgot. We're not, we don't know their names. Maybe next year, if you're listening, I think it's just Zach at this point, but if you're listening, tell us, tell us how, how good it feels to take Debo that late. Carson Wentz, he's already hurt. People, man. Zach, what are you doing? Zach, why did you take Carson Wentz? He's already well, hurt. Uh-oh. If he has another quarterback, that pick makes sense. I don't know. There goes Higby. There goes Tom Brady. One, two. Who the hell's on auto draft already? My goodness. Windaley, I mean, this is like a detriment to our brand. If we have people in the Windaley Sports <laughs> draft and they're just putting themselves on auto draft, this is where leagues are won. What are we doing, so, guys? Joel, talk to me about the quarterbacks you like here. So my strategy is going to be to grab, if I can get in my next maybe two or three picks, two of these guys and play matchups. Yeah. Um, and so that's what my plan is. And so the the if that's your plan or you're going to play matchups, then – the I would love to get Drew Brees because when you can get him at home and then have someone else that play when he's on the road, that's going to be a nice little uh, duo. So if, if Brees lasts me, I'm going to take Brees, just play him on his whole games, and then I'll have someone else for uh, for when he's on the road. And I, yeah. and I, I have, to have Michael Thomas, so it'll be a nice combo. There you go. And you can snag Drew Brees. I think that is fantastic. And uh, one thing I will say on the SiriusXM Win Daily Show, uh, 11 to 1, Saturdays and Sundays. Sia is now on Saturdays. I'm now on Sundays. We figured it out. Not this Sunday, though, because your boy's getting married. But wow. So thank you, Sia. I appreciate that. But uh, we were actually <laughs> talking with Brandon Steiner, and he is very in on Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady this year, saying with uh, what the uh, the, the uh, Packers did to Aaron Rodgers, drafting Jordan Love, and then reports coming out of camp saying Jordan Love has looked horrendous. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is either going to completely mail it in or Aaron Rodgers is going to have a nice chip on his shoulder and try and get back to that MVP form. I don't think we're going to see MVP Rodgers ever again, really, because, I mean, that year was just insane. But, see, how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers, especially this late? I mean, is your, if you can have Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers as your two quarterbacks, I mean, you're we're talking 2012, like 2015 here for a second, but still, I mean, that's, that's pretty solid even here in 2020. Um, Matt LaFleur is the worst thing to happen to that franchise in a long time. Wow. In a long, long time. Nice. They could be competing for a Super Bowl this year, but they drafted Jordan Love, who you didn't need to see his training camp this week to know that Jordan Love wasn't good. Just watch him at Utah State the entire year last year. Yeah, yeah. Everything was bad. The mechanics, the decision-making. It just, you know, when he threw it 50 yards, it looked like a nice ball. It looked like it was Mahomes or something. But, like, there, there were so few good balls that he threw, so few good decisions. It's just... It's just so sad. And the problem with Aaron Rodgers is, you know, you draft A.J. Dillon, you already have Williams, and you have Aaron Jones. You're, you're going to be running the ball quite a bit. You know, they don't have much receiver. Like, after Adams, what do you, you have Alan Lazard. You know, you don't really have a dominant tight end either. So I think Rodgers is okay this late. I mean, I, he definitely has some upside depending on the matchups. But I, you know, I just – I'm so down on the Packers. I think the Vikings win that division. And I think Packers – I think – I think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers on a different team next, as early as next year. Wow. As early as next I'm, year. I'm going to have to take that as a clip and throw that on Twitter because that is that is very high. I'll, I'll take that whole Packers uh, spiel and throw that up there because I agree. Um, I don't understand what they did. Poor Aaron Rodgers. Why do you pay this guy $40 million a year, draft him a backup quarterback, a running back, and then a fullback. I don't know really what the hell you're going to do with that. I don't remember the rest of the draft. I'll be honest. It's been so long since then. But it is. Uh, it makes no sense, man. And as we were talking, Aaron Rodgers did go. A.J. Dillon went. 
We have Robbie Anderson go pretty late. Again, this late for Robbie Anderson is probably, I mean, I don't know why everyone loves DJ Moore so much. It's still very, very confusing to me. Uh, but if people are going to draft him and Curtis Samuel above Robbie Anderson, I mean, I know Teddy Bridgewater doesn't really like to throw the ball too far, but I think the upside with Anderson is significantly more. Chris Thompson just went and Josh Kelly, the Chargers backup running back. I know Justin Jackson is kind of in the mix for backup as well, but they drafted this kid at UCLA, if I'm not mistaken. So he has some pretty good uh, potential there. There's some good receiver value still. I mean, as I see Joel scrolling down, I mean, you know, Sammy Watkins is interesting. At least you can grab a share of the Kansas City offense and hope he stays healthy and sort of takes all the targets and yards that people think McCole Hardman might take. So I think that's interesting. I, there was at least what I think Brandon Ayuk might have still been there. You know, depending on what happens with Debo and how how quickly Ayuk gets kind of, you know, acclimated to the offense, he could be a really strong play. Like the one thing in a Kyle Shanahan offense, like you don't really even need to be that good. You, you just need to like you just need to be fast and be in space. And that's what Kyle Shanahan can do for you. And that's part of the reason he drafted Brandon Ayuk. He, he's very good on the wide receiver screens and the short routes and things of that nature. So, oh, no, um, I lost Joel. that's a good play, too. That stinks. Uh, I'm uh, hearing a lot. Uh, Michael Pittman, too, apparently is getting a lot of love um, in Indianapolis with Philip Rivers at this point. And someone else, I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was Ian Haritz on Twitter was talking and he was saying, maybe it wasn't Ian, so I apologize if uh, I read that incorrect, but Melvin Gordon goes to the Chargers, didn't have a season with over 20 catches, and then he goes and has multiple 50-catch seasons. So they're saying a lot of the same things about Jonathan Taylor. Didn't have a single catch with 20 catches, a single year with 20 catches, and then has the opportunity to go in and catch a bunch of balls. Philip Rivers loves throwing the ball to the backs, as we absolutely know. So Joel is gone. Uh, I really hope his computer didn't die. That would really screw some stuff up. You can find <laughs> him at DraftMasterFlex on Twitter. You can find him in the Wind Daily Sports Discord as well. Sia, where can everybody find you on the internet? Hey, and by the way, uh, what's his what's his Twitter tag? Because I, I want people to be able to criticize his uh, Gronkowski pick. Uh, at DraftMasterFlex. Oh, oh, so, okay, gotcha, yep, gotcha. Yep, yep. All right, so that's his uh, DraftKings handle too, is it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's all of his stuff. He really went hard on that uh, that name, so well, whatever. <laughs> you know, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, that's kind of a cheesy name, and then you see, like, he's winning, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah, and you're exactly. like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. He's got <laughs> it, nothing fine. I can do. <laughs> um, hey, real quick before I forget, and I think Joel might have just texted us, he probably did, like, lose power or something, mm-hmm. but um, hopefully, hopefully, listen, it's the end of the draft. Hopefully they just auto-drafted Brandon Ayuk or Sammy Watkins because they were at the top. I, I forgot to mention John Thompson, so just, like, a quick story story about John Thompson. So I grew up in the DC area. My dad used to take me to Georgetown Hoya games all the time. And we were lucky enough to get like, you know, 10th row seats, you know, eighth row seats sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. And it was, it was really cool. And it was really interesting dichotomy because it's a Georgetown is a Catholic school. And, you know, at all the games, I'm not really good with um, naming what, whatever the, you know, religious figures are for these mm-hmm. these catholic mm-hmm. schools but w- whatever games and and joel i'm telling a story about uh, john thompson and the hoyas um you know we you'd have all those guys those like catholic priests or whatever they'd be in sort of like the first or second row and john mm-hmm. thompson every other word was a curse word i mean <laughs> literally he's uh-huh. all over the refs he's got that white towel draped on his shoulder and he is just drilling the refs and it's just kind of i mean all coaches kind of do that but it's it's an interesting thing to see when you have sort of like all those like like the catholic figures kind of sitting there and they're just kind of like you know not really you know yeah. not even really reacting but more importantly um that's just kind of a side story more importantly he was such a mentor to so many people 
I mean, obviously like the Iversons and the Ewings, but people Mm -hmm. that didn't even play with Georgetown. I went to Georgetown basketball camp and it wasn't just Hoyas that would come back and play in the summer and just like have a good time and, you know, you know, meet, meet back up and, you know, whatever you want to say, like, it was other people too that he was mentoring. And I, I think that's one of those things where you don't, you, you know, we'll never kind of hear about that. But the big point I wanted to bring up, I think it was 1989. It was sometime in the late eighties. John Thompson literally walked off the court, uh, it, a gesture, basically, basically the NCAA was trying to pass what was called proposition. I think it was proposition 48. And it was basically going to exclude a lot of African-American athletes from participating because of sort of new academic standards that were going to be thrust upon them. I think a stat came out that that if, if Proposition 48 had been held up, 47% of those athletes would have never graduated. So he literally walked off the court in the late 80s to, to basically, you know, mm-hmm. try to get some momentum to strike down what he thought was an unfair uh principle or an unfair uh, amendment that was going to be passed by the NCAA. And it's just interesting to me because we're seeing all these courageous thing, things happen or whatever you want to call it with from Colin Kaepernick to LeBron James to all everybody in the NBA, even the NHL and the MLB and the NFL are all kind of participating to some extent. But like to have a guy in the late 80s do that, a, a black coach at a predominantly white school who could have walked out and he could have basically been signing his own, you know, pink slip, so to speak, because a lot of people back then wouldn't have taken mm-hmm. that type of thing. So it's just interesting. Like, I, I think if you really read about John Thompson and, and, and talk about or read about or research all of his peers and how much they respected him and how so many of the players not only graduated, I think the graduation rate for all of his players overall was like 95%, mm-hmm. yep. which is crazy. So, I mean, he was just such a, like, uh, he was so much more than a coach. And I just, I just felt like bringing it up just because, you know, he, he recently passed, but I think when we're looking back and we're looking at like heroes of today, we should remember even in the, in the within the athletic spectrum, we should remember the heroes of, you know, yesterday and the 90s and the 80s, because those guys, there's a reason why they commanded so much respect. There's a reason why they're, you know, trending on Twitter. It's not Mm -hmm. just because it's just some basketball coach. It's because a guy that was so influential in so many ways beyond basketball. Very nice. Well put. I think it is fantastic. He, uh, as you said, mentored a lot of players and he touched a lot of lives, which is very important. And, uh, yeah, you could tell through all the tributes, through everything that's been going on, uh, I think is fantastic. And I totally agree. We kind of have to remember how we got to this point, not just remembering that this point happened. I think that's the most important part. So very well said, Sia. Um, uh, Joel, we were updated by Zach. Thank you, Zach, that you did pick Ayuk. So uh, glad to hear that. So nice. You did get one of those receivers. So we'll see what happens there. Have you had um, one of your last uh, – What um, do you have another pick to give us before we uh, sign off for the night? Yeah, so the uh, the quarter I waited a little too long on the quarterbacks. I, I thought Cam was gonna drop to me with the pick before, so uh, I just snagged, which is not bad. I wish I'm not that upset about. It. I just snagged Jared Goff as my second quarterback. So still okay. solid. I mean, in, in good matchups, he, he's gonna be able to have some great games. Um, so I'll be able to play the matchup game with Breeze and Goff. And I have one more pick. I might seek out one more quarterback. Um, there's another receiver out there that I'm that I might snag too. So it's between a third quarterback. Uh, and if you're listening, it's fine. The the third quarterback I'm tracking, just because of what you said earlier, Michael, the Jaguars are so bad that they're gonna have to throw so much that you know it's almost like it's almost like remember like Fitzpatrick was pretty good last year because he threw 50 times a game. You're bound to get points if you're gonna throw that many times. So I think Minshew's gonna be the same way. And they got some good young weapons, and now they don't even have a running back to hand it off to. So mm-hmm. it's like all they're <laughs> gonna do is drop back and throw. So 
I like taking a flyer on him this year and seeing if he has a some nice positive regression. I love Gardner Minshew so much. Positive regression. Dude was actually pretty good last year. He was one of the yeah, best rookie run, uh, quarterbacks last year. I mean, uh, I thought he was he was great, and unfortunately, the Jags are pretty much just trading everyone around him, so he doesn't even have a shot. I hope, and I say this in the weirdest way possible. I hope the Jags let him go. They draft Trevor Lawrence. He goes to the Patriots, and he becomes the next Tom Brady because that's a man I can get behind. But uh, Joel, we already gave everybody your Twitter handle: Draftmaster Flex CNI. Not going to say you're poking fun. You're the guy that wins $100,000, so there's really nothing we can say. At Sia, where can everybody find you on the internet? <laughs> at Sia Najad, S-I-A-N-E-J-A-D. You can find me at Michael Raziel one Make sure to follow us at Windaily Sports. Make sure to hop over to WindailySports.com. We have free content. We have paid content, and it's all great. And everybody, we hope you make it a very profitable evening. <laughs>